One of the best ways I know how to sell more books, to uh, grow your audience and attract more high paying clients to your done for you services, coaching, consulting, whatever, is to use a book funnel and paid advertising and traffic. On this episode, I interview Chris Benetti of Smart Author, who runs book funnels and who I work with directly on some of our uh, book funnels and clients. And we discuss in depth on uh, how to run paid advertising and use Facebook, Instagram, and social media to get your book sold through book funnels and paid advertising. So enjoy the podcast. Hey, it's Rob Kosberg with Best Seller Secrets. Excited to bring a little bit of a different uh, podcast to you today. Uh, we have a fantastic guest, and as you guys know, I don't do a lot of guests anymore these days. Most of it's solo and content. But um, I met uh, Chris Benetti uh, not long ago online and uh, saw some of the cool stuff that he was doing with Smart Author, uh, smartauthormedia.com. Chris runs ads and paid traffic for book funnels. Uh, I told him, uh, of course, I have my newest book coming out, Book Funnel Secrets, soon. And uh, I thought, wow, we need some content uh, for Book Funnel Secrets that's kind of ads related and ads focused. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in how you can sell books online using paid advertising, and you have something more expensive that you're selling, like a coaching program or done-for-you services or something like that, then I think you're going to get a lot out of this. So, Chris, thanks, buddy, for taking the time. Uh, you are literally 12 hours away in a different time zone in Perth, Australia. So, appreciate having you on the podcast, buddy. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, man. So, um, you have some really cool clients uh, you've run traffic uh, and book funnels for James Schramko. You're doing that now. Uh, Scott Olford, Joel Irway, who's a very, very good buddy of mine, uh, and a number of others. Um, what I'd love to do is I'd love to kind of dive into some best practices in general when it comes to running ads for book funnels, and then maybe go down one or two rabbit holes, uh, if you will, and uh, see what kind of uh, incredible... Um, secrets we can reveal on this podcast. You know, it is bestseller secrets. So, so um, give me, you know, give me what you would say. Someone comes to you, they want to run paid advertising, paid traffic um, with a book funnel um, to sell their book and something else. What are some of the first things that you look at and that you consider uh, when it comes to uh, paid traffic for a book funnel? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I would first say that. Uh, obviously, you know, you need to take the time to set up your book funnel the right way. And, you know, what, what do I mean by that? So um, ultimately, you, you should spend some time really fleshing out your sales page for your book because ultimately that's going to be the number one thing that's going to sell your book. And then the next things that you should be looking at is what are the other offers that I want to put into my book funnel? Because every cent that you generate in your cart, you know, helps to um, alleviate ad spend. And so, you know, the more money you make in your book funnel, the less money you're essentially spending to get someone to buy your book. And generally, um, I'm, I'm sure Rob's seen this as well, but uh, getting book buyers is actually not as cost effective as most people will try and praise. Um, 
especially if you don't have any additional offers in your book funnel in place. So for me, it's like we try to get that sorted for our clients first to make sure that there's an opportunity for us to re- recoup revenue um, so that the ad spend as the budget increases on a daily um, uh, on a daily sense, um, as that increases, you know, we are being recuperated from the funnel revenue. So it's, it's less stressful for the, uh, the business owner, the person running the, the book funnel. Um, and it just helps us to scale at higher levels without really having to worry about ad spend so much. So that's, I would say the first thing, um, once you've kind of got that dialed in for me, like creating ads, we take a simple approach. I think that a lot of people. There's two camps. There's people who try to overcomplicate things far too much. They worry way too much about detailing, um, detail targeting. They worry way too much about um, the copywriting and all of that kind of stuff. And that's important. But um, I think there's a, a a fine line of being way too detail orientated, worrying way too much about everything being as complex as possible. And then, you know, on the flip side, there's people who take a let, let's let Facebook figure it out approach. And so they won't put any targeting in. They won't do any creative testing. They'll just go, cool, here's a bunch of creatives. Here's, uh, you know, open targeting and I'll let Facebook figure it out. And what I found is that both are not the right uh, method. Um, I found that people who let Facebook try to do everything for them and figure it out you're going to waste a lot of money doing that. And then you won't actually know what works because Facebook is typically controlling the budget for you. It's spending on what it thinks it should spend on. Um, and there's really, it's not a legitimate way to test your ads properly. And then on the other side, you know, there's just too much complexity to things. Like you don't need to get so granular. So there's definitely a fine line of like, cool, let's let Facebook figure it out. And then also let's, be proactive with the way that we are running our ads so that we know how to test things. So for me, you know, I actually heavily look at the sales page copy for the ad copy because I love the fact that it creates congruency. So most of the time we'll basically look at like, what are the high level things on the sales page? How do we make that into a cohesive ad, you know, copy um, or, you know, uh, it's called primary text in, in ads manager. Essentially, how do we make the primary text as cohesive to the learning page as possible? Um, and then generally you have, you know, your headlines, you have your image video, um, or whatever it is, um, as the actual creative piece. So for me, headline is kind of the next thing where you, you kind of want to create some level of intrigue. You want to prompt someone to, be um, curious enough to go to the primary text to kind of want to read more. And then obviously the creative, which is the image or the video, it needs to stand out enough so that people actually stop and want to look at the ad further. And so I would say that like, that's probably the number one thing that you need to test when you're running ads. And that's the number one thing that we test. So for us, we essentially launch like one to two new tests on creatives every single week for our clients. Um, just so that we make sure that we're always finding new things that convert for them. And then essentially we create this pool of ads that, or creatives, I should say, that work. Um, and we can always go back to those as winning ads. 
whilst we're also testing new things all the time. Let me ask you a question around that. Let, let me let me dive in a little bit deeper for a second. So, so you mentioned testing, um, so and you're testing new creatives every single week. I really like that. Um, I'm I'm thinking about you know because we run a book funnel constantly ourselves for publish promote profit right. Um, so what does a test look like? How much how much are you spending on a test? Uh, when are you deciding whether or not this test is uh, a successful creative or not? Like, you know, walk me through what a test looks like for you. Fantastic question. So for me, uh, we do usually a 70-30 uh, budget split. So 70% of our budget, whatever that is, if it's $70 a day um, on a $100 a day budget, that will go to winning ads, things that perform and that we know perform. Now, obviously, when you're launching your ads for the first time and you haven't validated things, you need to find winners, right? So um, it's all testing, then. So for for that kind of stuff, you should obviously, you know, do a lot of testing in the beginning to find the winners, and then you can kind of do the seventy thirty split once you do have that. Um, so thirty dollars a day in this example would go to that's probably enough budget for one ad to test. Um, and so if we're testing one ad. We let it run until it's spent $60. Like usually within $60, we can see if it's going to convert or not, or we can usually see what the clicks are or not. And so that helps us to gauge some metrics on whether it's actually getting attention, getting people to the landing page. And if it's kind of a good enough congruency between the ad and the landing page to actually, you know, convert the person to buy the book. Um, and so for us, that's kind of the, the guideline that we roll. And then it's usually just like two days of testing to validate. If it doesn't work after two days, we either put the budget into the winner or we activate an old ad that we know is a winner. Very cool. And so um, 30% is a, a continual kind of revolving testing part of your budget. And so every week you're throwing out a couple of new creatives. I imagine... You know, you, um, I bought your creatives, uh, of course, and we've already begun testing them and they're doing very, very well. Uh, you know, um, obviously there are, there are, um, you know, certain things that you can do kind of over and over and over again. Maybe you could talk in a general sense of what the most successful creatives are. And then back to the testing part, what kind of changes do you make? to like us because you're probably taking a successful ad and you know a successful creative and then you're making adjustments to that successful creative to see if you can make it even better so i i assume so talk talk me through a little bit about some of the most successful creatives and what they can contain and then how you might make adjustments to it to make it even better or test it yeah for sure so for us we we go we like simple over complicated um, and so if you see our creative uh, library, you'll notice that like, or if you did buy it, you'll notice that the um, the graphics that we use are all quite simple. There's nothing super complicated. Um, there might be some text about the book, but it's it's nothing over the top. Like, you know, we're not really here to complicate things too much. Um, so for us, we prefer simple when it comes to the graphical creatives. Um, and then, you know, for me, I actually really, really prefer videos of like book flips 
And so, um, Rob, I can probably include a book flip example in the show notes if, if you want. Um, so I've just got a loom video of me, um, flipping through a book and that's essentially an ad that we run for a client. And the setup essentially is you either have someone hold a phone in front of you, like over your shoulder, or you have a, a, a tripod or something and you, you show the cover of the book, you know, you, your phone's facing down. Um, you show the cover of the book, you drop it on the table, you pick it back up, you flip through the pages, and then you kind of find interesting pages throughout the book and just kind of show it off before, you know, showing the cover again. And that's kind of the ad. Like, you know, you don't really even need any text on screen, anything like that, maybe just some background music. And that's a really effective ad. Like that actually, that ad is our best performer on several accounts at the moment. And it's something you can do in five minutes or less at home, you know, in your office um, or wherever you are, you know, you can do it in your lounge room, you can do it anywhere. Um, and so like ads like that for us work really well. Um, and if you have copies of your books, like, you know, um, put it, put them in a box or if you get, you get, you get books shipped to your house, put them in a box, open the box up and take a photo of all your books in a box, maybe on a slight angle. That's, that's again, another one of our best performing ads across several accounts. Um, lately I've been really liking the like lifestyle photos is what I call them, which is essentially people with your book, you with your book, you with other people who are readers with your book, you know, just showcasing your book in real life because, um, the graphic stuff is good and it's scalable because it doesn't require our clients input necessarily. We can just create graphics all day, all day and test. Um, but the, the lifestyle photos I find, um, are really, really effective because it shows that, you know, it's a real thing, real people, and it, it kind of just creates a little bit more connection than a standard kind of graphic template would, um, if that makes sense. Now you asked in terms of like, when we do testing, what do we change? So for us, it's incremental changes. Typically we'll find like, what is the winning primary text or copy for the ad that converts well? And we usually don't touch that too much. I don't think that that's that important to consistently, you know, um, test. Um, obviously we would have a, a few different versions of that. So we'll have like the sales version. Then we'll have like maybe a, a review version essentially with like, you know, what are the Amazon reviews? What are people saying? And maybe we'll, we'll, um, lace that into the copy as well. So it just adds a bit of like social proof in the ad itself. Um, the headline is probably the number one piece of copy that you should test and change. Um, and so like for us, if a client sold a few books, we'll just go like best selling book reveals X, Y, Z, or like, you know, over 60,000 copies sold, you know, get your copy for $1, um, or, um, over 10,569 five-star reviews on Amazon, you know? And so like, we'll kind of test those kind of things so that it kind of stops someone and goes, huh. Like I'm, I want to read a little bit more about this. And then that obviously would prompt them to click over to the landing page after they've read the ad in further detail. Nice. Very, very good. Um, okay. That's a lot about the ad or at least uh, the creative and testing. Let's go back to the very first thing you said, uh, which was really focusing on making sure that the funnel itself is, um, you know, using a, using a marketing term, has as high as possible AOV or average order value um, by having various things in the funnels, bumps, um, you know, courses, et cetera, that you're also offering besides the book. 
Talk to me about like what are the best practices that you've seen as far as like order bumps go uh, or um, upsells go, whether it's one upsell, two upsells, et cetera. Absolutely. For me, I really like if you guys don't put an order bump on your book funnel, like you're missing out on a lot of money. And I just I find that that's absolutely the highest converting upsell offer that you can have in your uh, in your funnel. Typically, we see you know thirty to sixty percent conversion rates on anything from you know seventeen to forty seven dollars. Um, for us, it's usually like what are the different formats of the book? If we're selling paperback, let's do like a digital bundle and. I usually like to do some sort of template or training alongside of it. So it kind of stacks value because it's very hard to, you know, say, oh, my audio book is worth $47, you know. Right, right, right. When they're getting um, the physical book for $7.95. Yeah, free plus. Free plus right, money. right. So, um, yeah, so obviously like formats are important. People like to listen or read on their iPad or, you know, their Kindle or whatever. So I actually really just like to, hey, what is the format that we're selling? How can we bump the other formats? So if it's a digital book that you're selling up front, you know, how can we bump paperback potentially or even just, you know, the audio if you have that? And if you guys don't have those kind of other formats, that's totally fine as well. I would say, you know, what is something that is relatable to the book that you can give that's maybe a tool, a template, um, a training that kind of expands upon it? Um, or maybe it's even a, uh, an insight to why you wrote the book and, um, it kind of goes into the depth of like behind the scenes of the book, you know, something that is kind of related and expansive from a technical side, or even from an informational side, I think is a you know very valid bump for us. And that's usually what we'll test for the upsell offers. Um, I, I typically like to do. Essentially, the book creates a, the book solves a problem most of the time. It then creates another problem. So Rob's book, as an example, um, Publish, Promote, Profit. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Publish, Promote, Profit. You know, it's going to tell you how to publish your book, promote your book, and make money from your book. What's the next thing you would need potentially from that? Like maybe you might need funnel templates. Maybe you might need ad templates. You know, there's a winning ad creative library that I heard is awesome. Maybe that's something you need. <laughs> um, and so like the book has created a problem for you. So now we can explain what that problem is on the upsell page and go, cool. Like this is what, you know, you've got everything you need now from the book and we're not cannibalizing the offer of the book. Here's what you're going to need next as you're setting this up. And it's going to help you save time. It's going to help you save money. It's, you know, all these kind of things. That's what I like to do as the next offer in my funnel. And usually that upsell, the first one, I'll have more expensive than the second upsell. Cause I usually want to have, um, more opportunity for someone to buy that thing because it's fresh. You know, they haven't been oversold at that point already. Um, and, what I'll do is typically like if it's a higher priced thing, let's just say it's $300, I might do a split pay as a downsell. So if like they say no, I'll be like, hey, you know, I really want you to get access. How about we do um, a pay as you profit, people like to call it, or a pay, you know, pay plan. And we'll just do two payments of 150 
one now, one in a month. Um, then the next offer, you know, there's usually more still that needs to be solved. And so for your example, you know, you've just given funnel templates and things like that, but Hey, what about ads training? Like ads is pretty complex. Like a book can explain ads so much, but you know, you might need in-depth training that's constantly being updated with the latest technical changes for ad, the ads platforms and new strategies. And Hey, by the way, this includes templates for the ads as well. And so like, that's just a simple thought to, you know, how you can kind of think about what your book creates as a new problem, which is, you know, getting things up and live and tested and, you know, whatever your book um, actually does talk about. And then how you can solve that with additional kind of things that add on to the book, not cannibalize the book. And what I mean by cannibalize is if someone buys your book and then you sell them something that is like basically the same piece of information that's inside your book, right. they're going to go like, hey, didn't I just buy that for your book? You know, kind of thing. So that's kind of how I like to structure things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and uh, just to add to that for a moment, I mean, we have a, a, a number of tests that we've done and that we've helped clients with where all we did, you know, in the old days, you would have uh, old days, probably not that long ago, but uh, in the earlier days of doing this, you'd have maybe a, you know, a 47 or a 97 uh, one-time offer on the front. And then a one-time offer number two would be 197 or 297. And just swapping those and putting the higher price offer as the first one-time offer, uh, as you as you said, gets more eyeballs on it and will raise your average order value considerably. I have one client in particular that doubled his average order value by simply changing places within his funnel mm -hmm. of where his offers were. His offers were, were good. So that's good. That's uh, very, very helpful. And a double of average order value can essentially go from you having to spend money to get a book buyer to like potentially breaking even or making money then I know. at that point. I know. And if you can break even or make money with a book funnel, then it's yeah. like an ATM. I mean, it's a gold mine. Yeah. I mean, it's unlimited free leads uh, and free of the highest quality leads you will ever get for your business. Because number one, people that read books tend to be higher quality buyers in the future. Dan Kennedy has been saying that for 30 years. His best clients have always been his book buyers. That's number one. And number two is anybody that's willing to spend money with you right out of the gate, like pull their wallet out of their pocket, type in their credit card information, even if it's just $4.95, that is infinitely better quality than someone that just gives you maybe a fake uh, or burner email address, right? Uh, like mine is uh, uh, rickjames1969 at gmail.com. So if you ever see that, on one of your funnels, you'll know, okay, that's Rob's burner email address. <laughs> anyway, so good stuff. So um, let's talk just for one more moment about the funnel itself. Um, we talk average order value and, and we, we talk, you know, in a, in a vague sense about average order value and about, you know, cost of acquisition. Give me like some generalities, uh, you know, what 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 are you trying to get to when it comes to average order value in a book funnel? 
And I know every book funnel is different, you know, because if you're dealing with a hypnotherapist that's doing one thing versus a real estate investor selling a real estate book, it's going to be different. But give me some give me some ranges based on what you've seen. And then also ranges on cost of acquisition. What, what does it cost to actually uh, get that, you know, um, that book buyer? Yeah, and this is totally industry specific, right. like you mentioned. Um, I think if you're spending, it's hard because like I'm gonna say these numbers. Give me some industries, like, oh, like, like give me yeah. industries, and and you know, tell me what you're seeing based on industries. That's maybe the best way to do it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so if it's like B to C, where you know you're selling something that is a little bit more commercially viable, um, there's a higher chance you're gonna spend less than if you're going to B2C. Now, the caveat to that is if B2C, uh, B2B is um, you know, something that's highly desirable, you know, if it's um, make money or you know, fin financial based, um, and it's like a super viable model for someone, it's super attractive, someone wants to really you know, get it um, and, and take action on it, then you're gonna see a lower cost generally. Um, I would also say that in the realm of if someone is more established, than someone else, you know, they're going to typically spend less money to acquire a book buyer um, just because they've built a brand reputation up already. Um, and so like James Schramko is a fantastic example of that B2B book, but because of his overwhelming reputation in the space, we spend less than $2 a lead, you know, on, on someone buying or getting his book for free. So, um, and that's consistently at scale. So, you know, for, for someone who's in the B2B, B to C space, I would say like roughly expect $40 or less on a person buying your book. Um, if you've got a really fantastic book, you could probably get leads all day at like $10, I would say, um, 10 to 15. For a B to B place, um, I would expect your rough um, buyer to be at like $100 at like the kind of higher end. And then, you know, at scale, you know, like depending on what you launch and stuff, like that can come down. Um, for me, like we typically see roughly a 20 to 50 kind of range uh, for my clients in the B2B space um, or the investing space as well. Um, and so it, it really does depend on the type of client and then the level of scale you go to. So obviously, as you increase your ad budget, you're probably going to have some scaling issues where your cost per book buyer is actually increasing, um, but you've got more volume coming through. So it's like there's always a bit of a trade-off when you start to scale your ads up um, from $100 a day to $1,000 a day. You're going to see inconsistencies. You're going to start to see consistencies. Some days are better than others, um, and that's just the nature of ads. Like If you go in with the expectation that, hey, my ads are always going to be consistent. This is what my funnel AOV is, average order value. This is what my cost per acquisition is. Um, then you're just going to have the wrong, you, you're going to go in and you're going to be disappointed. Um, every single day, it's going to be different. Some days you're going to get 10 sales. Some days you're going to get 30 sales. Some days you're going to get one sale. <laughs> and you know your budget is a daily budget. So some days you're going to spend $120 on someone buying your book. Some days you'll spend eight dollars <laughs> like it's one of those kind of games um and if you just expect that and realize that and kind of look at it from a little bit more of a macro lens so like hey let's look at this on a weekly basis let's look at this on a monthly basis and really gauge our performance hey what was our average order value over this week 
what was our average order value over this month? Um, and then what was our cost per acquisition or cost per book buyer over this week or this month? You'll be able to really um, then get a consistency of metrics. And now every single week or every single month, you're working off of KPIs that you set for yourself. Let's just say, I want to spend $30 or less on someone buying my book. And then I'm going to have an average order value of $30 or more, you know, when someone buys my book. When you have those kind of metrics in place and you look at it from a little bit more of a macro lens and not a daily lens, um, then you're going to have a, a level of consistency that is helpful for you to review your accounts on. Um, I think the biggest issue for people is like, yes, you need to manage things somewhat on a daily basis. You need to turn budgets up and down. You need to put you know, more budget to winners and things like that. Um, I just don't think that you can get those uh, those metrics that you're looking for on a daily basis consistently because yeah, it's going to be you know, Saturday is going to be different than, than totally Thursday. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, give me uh, you mentioned B two C, you mentioned B two B. So uh, give the listeners um, some examples of what is B two C when it comes to books and what is B two B when it comes to books. Just some examples, just industry. Yeah, for sure. So I, I had a client, and this is one of your clients, I believe, Andrea Olson. Um, she has a book called, um, uh, what's it called? Go Diaper Free. Go Diaper Free, yeah. that's the one. Um, Go Diaper Free. So yeah, like that's basically a, a book by a woman who runs a business um, selling Go Diaper Free products. Essentially, how do we ditch diapers and get yeah. you know, babies potty yeah. trained? That's B2C um, in that type of situation. You yeah. So it's like, you know, she's she's written that for mums or, you know, dads um, who have new babies that don't want to spend money on diapers. Yeah. Like, so that's a, a consumer product. Um, and so the book is for consumers to help educate them. Um, so that's kind of like an example of B2C. Anything that's consumer-based for people who aren't buying it from a business perspective, yeah. it's not like a money, not a, an investing um, it's, it's more of a consumer, like educational, how to kind of book. And then, you know, the funnel kind of has other things around that topic in place. Would, would make Before, money like real estate, make money. Would that be considered B2C as well? Any make money? I would consider that technically B2C, um, just because not all people who are buying that, are business owners, but generally they have an intent to make money, to, be a business owner or be an investor. And so I think it crosses the lines into B2C a little bit more. And for me, I typically see a higher cost per book sale sometimes when we're talking about real estate and things like that. So usually I'm pretty cool with like a 50 to 40 to $50 cost per book sold on a real estate book um, because I know that the, 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 it's a little bit of a, a, a kind of a harder sell. It's a little bit more of a lump um, kind of sum or strategy to get into, you know, as a starting point. And so it's it's typically like less attractive than like, hey, here's how you can make 10 grand on Amazon tomorrow kind of thing. Um, so usually going to be a bit of a higher cost per acquisition. Um, with that being said, um, that's what I found for the American market. What I found for my Australian property investing clients, um, we actually see much less because we've got, um, much less per book, book cost per sale um, than over there because we have a, a bit more of a booming property market than right. the United States does at the moment. Interesting. So it's all timely as well. Yeah. So the economy also plays a role in all of it also. Um, Absolutely. So two two more things. Um, 
One may be very, very short. And uh, that is, uh, you know, our, our expertise, my expertise tends to be in nonfiction, business related, et cetera. Um, do you ever do any fiction and any, any thoughts on running something like this for, for fiction? Um, have, you, have you ever seen that work? Uh, what are your thoughts on that working? I haven't touched it in honesty, um, just because for me, there's enough clients that need our help in the nonfiction space. And it's a little bit of a easier sell, um, generally because the people who write nonfiction and, you know, for you as well, like business, like they can easily justify running funnels. Yeah. You know, they're selling something much more expensive on the back end. So they have the flexibility uh, because of margins to spend yeah. money on ads and traffic. And, and that's really hard when it comes to to fiction because you need other things to sell. So, yeah, that makes sense. I just thought I'd ask because, you know, I, I always run into people that are interested in that. And I, I don't I don't know much about it. And I really don't have um, a good sense that it's it's even possible. Like, you know, if you don't see guys like Stephen King or J.K. Rowling doing it, then uh, who are the most famous, you know, fiction authors in the world? Then you know, probably you know, Jane Doe and John Doe are going to have a pretty rough time when it comes to fiction. I, I think you know, when it comes to fiction, people typically it's either like it's a hobby or they want to make money from it, and um, without anything else to sell besides your book, it's going to be challenging for you to make money on it. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Okay, I thought that'd be short. So uh, with ads, anyway. I say, yeah, sorry. yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I have a client that does a million bucks a year, over a million, um, just in royalties alone on fiction, and she runs some traffic, but it's really more about traffic to build her platform and sell the volumes of content that she has. She has, you know, fifty books that are are selling. She's one of the top. Uh, selling um, authors in fiction in the United States. And so, you know, it can work, but it's a very different methodology than the one you and I are talking about today. Um, we've been going for a while. Any, what else? What am I missing? Um, what else would you would you uh, want to share or or reveal when it comes to the, the funnel or when it comes to the, the, the traffic and the ads itself? Yeah, absolutely. I just think, you know, when it comes to what you're doing you just have to think of intent as well. So you're going to have essentially two cycles of someone coming through as a book buyer. You're going to have like the initial funnel sales cycle, which is all direct. You know, someone's going to buy your book, see your upsell offers. If if your intent is to have them become a client of yours, then it's totally viable for you to put a offer to book in a call with you or your team on the very last page of the funnel, the thank you page. Um, and that essentially is a way for you to connect them being a new customer to, you know, you being able to have a call with them to see if it's a good fit for you guys to work together on your higher end stuff. You know, and maybe you don't do that. You have a webinar instead and you invite them to a webinar or a VSL or something like that. Um, there's a fantastic opportunity. So I would say, firstly, don't discount the thank you page in the funnel. It's very valuable and you know, it's it's probably the best place of lead gen that you can um, have in place. Then you're also going to have your, you know, direct email follow-up sequence. So I would highly recommend that you guys take some time and write some emails about your book 
And then also, you know, include offers to what that next step is. Again, if it's a webinar, you know, hey, I've just done this free training, you know, go check it out. Or if it's a, you know, a call booking, hey, you know, my team and I really want to help you get set up with XYZ, you know, booking a call here um, and making sure that you remind them that you have that available for them. And that's going to help to continue that direct sales cycle. The second sales cycle, and this is why books are so powerful, um, is they're going to get your book and they're going to read your book. And that might not happen for two to six months, but when they read your book, and especially if Rob's written your book, they're going to read it and go, damn, how do I work with Chris? <laughs> you know. And so there's going to be a second sales cycle that comes through. And it's, I think it's your job to make sure that you have the offers in place or there's a way for them to find you easily to you know, book in those things or continue that sales journey with you inside the book. And so you're, it's, it's very difficult for you to just directly judge the performance of a, an ads campaign and how that relates to your back-end clients um, from you know, a daily and a weekly With, and a monthly Yeah, basis. some time is, is required to actually really judge. Yeah. Absolutely. So the sales cycle is longer. And I would, I would say that the, uh, the, the second thing here is that like you're building, a, you're building a brand by selling a book. Like you're getting your value out into the world and you're building authority. And so books, selling books, the reason why I love selling books so much is like you do have that direct conversion metrics to go off of. Um, but then you have the, the knock-on effect of people knowing more about you, liking you more, trusting you more because writing books is challenging. It's, a, it's not an easy feat to do and only established and like really well thought out people besides, you know, all that AI stuff, um, write a book um, and write it well. And so like if you can stand out in the marketplace with your book and build your brand that way, like it's going to help you with running your business in the long term. It's going to be a, a much bigger credibility piece than, you know, just doing a, a YouTube channel or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I love that. One of the things that I've been talking about for a long time is that traditional publishers expect you, want you to have a platform in place to launch your book. But the vast majority of authors do not have any kind of platform in place. They don't have an email list. They don't have a following. Even successful business people often don't have any of that. And what we talk about, kind of the author 2.0 methodology, is look, use your book to build your platform. This is exactly what you're talking about. Uh, my book has sold, um, you know, 75 to 100,000 copies in the last five years. Uh, I was actually asked by a new client today, no one's ever asked me this before, but he said, hey, um, of those sales, how many of those are like from your funnel? Versus how many of those are like on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and and that. And I was like, wow, I, I don't know exactly. Now, I know we've run some really big Amazon, Wall Street Journal, you know, campaigns. Um, but I would think that it's it's about 20 percent is from Amazon and 80 percent is from the traffic that I have run. Mm. But that has led to, you know. I mean, tens of thousands of people on my list, tens of thousands and more of people that follow me and that know about me because of my book. So I didn't, mm. I didn't, I, I had a, a bit of a platform before, but forget it. Let's, let's forget that I had any. 
if I had no platform whatsoever before my book came out, the book itself has built my platform um, simply yeah. because I got it into people's hands. So I couldn't agree more uh, with what you're saying. I, I love that. So great stuff. We've been going a while. Um, you know, Chris, thank you, man. I know it's early in the morning in Perth, Australia. So it's great to, to be with you. I'm really excited. We're going to be doing some things down the road together, which uh, – you know, already have some people in mind. So uh, you and I will continue that conversation. But if you want uh, to learn more about Chris or connect with him, maybe to run uh, advertising or traffic from, from you for you, then go to smartauthormedia.com, right? Smartauthormedia.com. Uh, and is that the best place to go, Chris? Or would you, or is there something else you got you got a funnel to send them to? Now, smartauthormedia.com is great. There's a big old green button there to book a call with me. Great. Fantastic. Brother, great to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks.